Well, welcome everyone to the Dr. Hedberg Show. This is Dr. Hedberg. And in this podcast, I'm going to be going over all the basics of thyroid hormone production so everyone can get a good, you know, general understanding of how the thyroid system works, how the, uh, the hormone is produced, its actions. And then we'll talk about all of the uh, possible things that can disrupt thyroid hormone production and the activation of the thyroid hormone. So just a, a couple of basics. So the thyroid, obviously, you know, it's, it's a small gland in the neck, right around, right about at the level of the Adam's apple, weighs about one ounce, and it uh, produces thyroid hormone, but then it also makes a hormone called calcitonin, which is involved in calcium metabolism. And then there are, there are also the parathyroid glands. These are very small. There's two of them. They're on the outside of of the thyroid, and they're also involved in calcium. So, uh, but we're going to focus on the the T4 and the T3, which are the main thyroid hormones. So basically, there's a part of your brain called the hypothalamus. And the hypothalamus is kind of the main regulator of balance in your body. So it's constantly reading everything that's going on. So it's reading how well hydrated you are. Um, so if the amount of uh, water that you have is, is getting low, then the hypothalamus kind of knows that. And that's what uh, triggers you to become thirsty. And then it's also measuring... Uh, a variety of hormones regarding appetite and hunger. So obviously it tells you that you're hungry. Uh, it's also monitoring many, many hormones that are circulating throughout the body. It's regulating body temperature. Um, it's regulating what's going on with your immune system. So if you're getting an infection, it's the hypothalamus that knows uh, what's going on in the body, you know, if it's a virus or bacteria and things like that. So in any case, the hypothalamus is just a major uh, monitor of, of your whole body. So very interesting gland. And the hypothalamus is reading the amount of thyroid hormone that's in your bloodstream. So if the amount of thyroid hormone gets low, the hypothalamus knows that. And so it sends out a hormone um, to another part of the brain called the pituitary gland. And the pituitary is kind of the master hormone regulator of the body. It produces many hormones. It sends these hormones out to various glands in the body, and it instructs them to change the amount of uh, hormone that they're producing. So, the hypothalamus makes what's called uh, TRH, thyrotropin-releasing hormone. So that tells the pituitary that we need more thyroid hormone. And so the pituitary sends out a hormone called the TSH, or the thyroid-stimulating hormone, also known as thyrotropin. And so the TSH leaves the pituitary it travels to the uh, thyroid, and then that signals the thyroid to make more hormone. So the thyroid makes T4 and T3, 
And it makes about 80% T4 and 20% T3. And uh, T3 is about 10 times more biologically active than T4. So T3 is really what is having the action on your metabolism in the cells. So let's talk just a little bit about what is required to make thyroid hormone inside of the gland. So iodine is very important for thyroid hormone. In fact, the uh, the T4, the 4 stands for 4 iodines, and then in T3, that stands for 3 iodines. Um, so the only thing that happens is one of the iodines is removed from the T4, and then that makes T3. Now, in order for iodine to get into the thyroid gland, you need um, sodium and uh, vitamin C. So those are both important for getting iodine into the gland. Um, And then once that's in the gland, there are some additional nutrients that are required to make thyroid hormone. And these are iron. Uh, So you might want to listen to my ferritin podcast about iron and how important the ferritin test is when it comes to figuring out uh, hypothyroid and thyroid problems. And then uh, the amino acid tyrosine is required, selenium, vitamin E, vitamin C, vitamin D, magnesium, zinc, copper, and then vitamin B2, vitamin B3, and vitamin B6. So you can see there are a lot of uh, nutrients there involved just to make thyroid hormone. And so if there are any deficiencies in any of those, then uh, you could have impaired thyroid hormone production. And so some of the, the, the biggest ones are going to be um, iron and zinc. Those are involved not just in the thyroid hormone production, but also in the, uh, the activation of the T4 into T3 and also the utilization of the T3 by the cells. So if you listen to my zinc uh, podcast, I talk a lot about that. And then, like I said, the ferritin um, podcast is another good one to listen to. So the uh, T4 and the T3 then leave the thyroid gland into the bloodstream. And then the majority of the T4 is converted into T3 in the liver And then uh, some more of it is converted in the kidneys and the intestines. So those are kind of the big three. Uh, So if there's unhealthy liver function, that could contribute to lower T3 levels. And same thing with the kidneys and the gut. So um, the gut, remember that T3 is very important for the movement of food through the intestines. So that's called peristalsis. And so that's why a lot of people with hypothyroidism become constipated because the movement of the food is impaired because of low T3 levels. Now you have um, about 20% of the T4 is converted into reverse T3. And reverse T3 
It really has no action other than it binds to T3 receptors. So reverse T3 will actually block uh, T3 from binding and doing its normal action on metabolism. And then another 20% of the T4 is converted into two additional forms of T3 um, in the gut. And so you got to have healthy gut function, um, good bacteria, no yeast, no parasites, uh, in order to convert a good 20% of your T4 into healthy T3 levels. And so that's why um, I focus a lot on the gut in uh, most patients with, with thyroid issues. So let's go back to reverse T3 because it can be very problematic. Uh, like I said, it'll bind to T3 receptors. And let's talk about some things that will um, contribute to increased levels of reverse T3. So mainly we're looking at stress. So we'd have to do a good uh, adrenal workup. And uh, so in those cases, if we have high reverse T3, of course, we want to identify the source of the stress, whether that's psychological or physical stress. You know, it could be stress from your relationship, your marriage, boyfriend, girlfriend. could be work stress, your boss uh, being overworked. could be the kids, um, any of those types of things. could be family members that are toxic or, you know, really stressing you out. So, when I say stress, I mean any any psychological or physical stress. I mean, it could even be too much exercise. So if you're overtraining, that's a stress to the body, and that'll increase reverse T3. Big temperature changes, um, really, really hot summers, really, really cold winters. That's what we would consider thermal stress. So we're looking at the overall stress to the system, to the body on a daily basis and trying to figure out how we can uh, eliminate that stress or help the body adapt to it if we have high reverse T3. Another one is a low calorie diet. So a lot of people, they want to lose weight and so they cut calories. That actually tells the body that there's not a lot of food around. And so we've evolved to adapt to that. And so our bodies will immediately want to conserve energy because the hypothalamus says, all right, there's a famine, food is scarce, let's conserve energy. So let's slow down our metabolism so we can conserve our muscle tissue and our gut lining and our fat stores. And so not eating enough calories is going to create increased reverse T3 and have a, a negative effect. And that's why people always hit a wall when they cut calories. Inflammation will increase reverse T3 and that can be from insulin resistance, you know, blood sugar issues, infections, food sensitivities like gluten, dairy, eggs, soy, peanuts. Those are some of the big ones. So we always want to do take a careful look at food sensitivities um, environmental toxins, these could be metals like mercury, lead, and cadmium, but then just toxins in the environment like automobile exhaust, uh, industry, uh, pollution, you know, from smokestacks, and then anything in the house, 
So it could be certain industrial cleaners that off-gas, can be new paint, new furniture, uh, thing carpeting, things like that, that off-gas, that's going to trigger some inflammation and increase reverse T3. So we want to do a good environmental toxin history and see if there's anything in the house or the work environment, the car, you know, where you live, whatever it may be that could be triggering inflammation. And then infections can be a big one. Uh, so like the Epstein-Barr virus, H. pylori, Yersinia, uh, any kind of infection in the body, herpes, gut infections, urinary tract infections, dental infections like uh, root canals that were, were not done properly. And there's a chronic low-grade infection um, in the mouth. So any type of infection is going to increase reverse T3. And so those are, uh, those are some of the big ones that uh, will kick up reverse T3. And when reverse T3 increases, your TSH may look fine. Your T4 may look fine. Um, maybe even your T3 looks okay. But if you have high levels, then you may develop hypothyroid symptoms, even though everything lo- looks great on your blood work. A couple of nutrients that are important for the conversion of T4 to T3, those are going to be selenium and zinc. And then for T3 to work properly at the cellular level, so once it gets inside the cell, um, vitamin A is required for that. Zinc is required for that. And then um, exercise really helps uh, T3 work properly in the cell. But again, not too much exercise. So I always talk to patients about their exercise load, and we might have we might have to have them actually reduce the intensity and the frequency of their exercise um, in order to get the reverse T3 and, and T3 back in balance. Okay, so that's um, reverse T3, and then I. Uh, do want to mention a couple of things again about the TSH and why it might not be the most accurate way to diagnose a thyroid problem. Well, number one, the TSH is not even a thyroid hormone. It's made by a different gland. And there are things that can disrupt uh, the TSH. So a lot of them I mentioned, like the inflammation and the stress. So if you have a lot of adrenaline, Um, a lot of cortisol that can throw off the TSH. If you're inflamed, if you're insulin resistant, that can affect uh, the TSH. And so again, we want to do a good adrenal workup looking at um, metabolized cortisol, free cortisol, free cortisone. And we do that through a urinary adrenal profile because uh, salivary adrenal testing doesn't give you the complete picture uh, because what you're looking at in saliva is only about no more than 20% of actual cortisol production by the gland. And so that's why you have to do it in urine because that gives you the other 80%. You get the 80% and the 20% in the urine, so you get the whole picture. 
So um, a lot of uh, people are making decisions based on only about 20% of what they're seeing on a saliva test. And that's why a lot of people just don't respond or they get worse or they don't do well uh, with the treatment. And then in that urinary adrenal profile, we also look at DHEA because DHEA is important for the utilization of T3 inside of the cell. So we want to look at the adrenals because they're closely connected with the thyroid. And uh, those, those cortisol levels will definitely disrupt. They can really throw off the, uh, the TSH test. And then the other thing is that even if the TSH looks good or normal, uh, there may be very poor conversion of T4 into T3. And we talked about all the things that can disrupt that conversion. And then again, the reverse T3 might be very high. Uh, So those are all some of the reasons why numbers might look good, uh, but the patient still feels bad. And then again, just going back to the receptors, the um, high cortisol levels can, can desensitize the T3 receptors. Um, insomnia, so sleep deprivation, not sleeping well, that's going to have also have a big effect on T4 to T3 conversion, and that will also increase reverse T3. And uh, there was a recent uh, paper that was just released discussing the genetic uh, defects that some people have in the, it's called the deiodinase enzyme. And the deiodinase enzyme is the enzyme that converts T4 into T3. And so there is a fair uh, amount of people out there who have a genetic defect in that enzyme. And so they won't convert T4 to T3 very well. And that's a genetic issue. And so those are the people that might do better on uh, a combination of T4 and T3. And I'm talking about uh, which medications they use. So Synthroid, which is levothyroxine, is just T4. And so if you have that genetic defect, you might not convert it well into T3. And so that explains why a lot of people do better on something like Armour Thyroid or Nature Thyroid, because those have T3 in them. And so that makes up for that that genetic defect. Another thing I wanted to mention is uh, vitamin D. Uh, most practitioners are just measuring the 25-hydroxy vitamin D. And uh, interestingly enough, the 125-hydroxy vitamin D, which is uh, what 25-hydroxy is converted into, the 125-hydroxy D can actually... Um, bind to T3 receptors and block them. And so you could have a normal 25-hydroxy vitamin D, but your 125-hydroxy D might actually be very high, and it could be high because of infection and inflammation. And if it is, then uh, that could actually be disrupting your T3 receptors and creating T3 receptor resistance. So it is very important to look at that if, uh, if it's very difficult to get the right uh, dose of the thyroid medication. It could be high 125-hydroxy-D levels. And then you have to be careful with how much vitamin D you're taking 
And then, of course, you have to address the infection and also address what's causing the inflammation that could be increasing those levels. So as far as testing goes, you know, really the, the way to go is that you do want to do a TSH, even though it can be very ambiguous. Uh, but you definitely want a free T4, and that would be the minimum, a TSH and a free T4. Uh, that can be a good start. And then you can add in the free T3. And then in some cases, we'll also run a reverse T3. And uh, those are in certain cases where, you know, there appears to be a tremendous amount of stress and the thyroid, even though the rest of the numbers look good, uh, we may want to look at the reverse T3 and see if that's high. Also, I wanted to mention the thyroid antibodies, the thyroid peroxidase antibody and the... the uh, anti-thyroglobulin antibody. Those two antibodies are used to diagnose Hashimoto's disease. And if those are elevated, then uh, you do have Hashimoto's. However, there is a very small percentage of people who actually don't make, uh, they won't make those antibodies, but they still have Hashimoto's. And so a thyroid ultrasound uh, may be a better test if those antibodies are negative and you suspect Hashimoto's disease, because the ultrasound will show uh, what we're looking for, which is inflammation in the gland. And that can be diagnostic for Hashimoto's disease. And then Graves' disease is diagnosed with the thyroid-stimulating immunoglobulin antibody. But you'll also see the thyroid peroxidase and the antithyroglobulin antibodies in, in cases of Graves' disease as well. The uh, Just the regular T4 test is still around, still decent. And then you'll also see the T3 uptake. And the T3 uptake basically looks at the amount of available binding sites for uh, free T3 on what's called thyroxin binding proteins. And so if you have high testosterone because of something like PCOS, polycystic ovarian syndrome, uh, you might actually see... Uh, low T4 levels and a high T3 uptake. And then estrogen does the opposite. So if you're on birth control pills or hormone replacement therapy, and then the more body fat you have, the more estrogen you'll have, that can actually, you might actually see a high T4 and a low T3 uptake. So the T3 uptake some people say it's kind of a useless test, but those that's just people who don't really know how to use it. And so that is included on, on, a, on a, a general thyroid panel. And then just uh, do want to mention uh, just the prescription medications that are out there. I did mention Synthroid, which is just synthetic T4. And that's also known, that's also known as levothyroxine. And that's going to be most the most commonly prescribed drug in America, actually, because uh, it is highly effective for a lot of people. But again, if there's a genetic defect in the conversion of T4 to T3, if uh, there's, a, there's a lot of the reasons we talked about present, like the inflammation and the insomnia, sleep deprivation, infection, stress, et cetera, et cetera, all those things I mentioned, uh, the nutrient deficiencies, 
then they may just not convert the T4 to T3. And then they may be converting the T4 into reverse T3. So um, armor thyroid, nature thyroid, west thyroid, um, those come from uh, pig's thyroid gland. And they can they contain T4 and T3. And so that's why some people will do better on on a product like that compared to just Synthroid. And then you can do Cytomel, which is just T3 by itself. And then uh, there's the compounding pharmacies can compound T4 and T3 into uh, whatever doses someone wants. Or they can compound a time-released T3, which uh, can work better for people as well. Um, let's see if there's anything else I wanted to mention. I mean, that kind of covers the basics, but some additional tests that I, I, I do like to run, obviously we want to do a stool analysis to figure out if there are any infections in the gut or if there's dysbiosis that could be affecting the T4 to T3 conversion in the gut. So we want to look there. And then number two, we want to look at the adrenals. And that's through the urinary adrenal profile that I mentioned. Um, and then some additional blood tests. We might do a leptin test because leptin is connected with thyroid function, sex hormone binding globulin, uh, a cholesterol lipid panel. can also give us some additional clues because um, usually the lower your thyroid function, the higher your cholesterol and so a lot of people are put on cholesterol-lowering medications like statins. And the cholesterol is high actually because they're hypothyroid. So the lipid panel can be a good, a good indicator of, of thyroid function as well indirectly. Food sensitivities we may want to look at. Um, infections that can trigger Hashimoto's disease that I've talked about before like Epstein-Barr virus, H. pylori, Yersinia enterocolitica. There's a bunch of them that, that are connected there. And then uh, we might also want to do an organic acids profile. And organic acids, this is a urine test that gives us our best picture of overall metabolism, which is what thyroid controls. So it can be very useful because it tells us how well your body is burning fat, burning sugar, uh, metabolizing protein gives us some good detoxification markers uh, to take a look at liver function where remember the majority of T4 is converted into T3 in the liver. So we want to look at that. Uh, it gives us some additional markers of bacterial overgrowth in the uh, small intestine, which could affect thyroid function. And then also some neurotransmitter metabolites because um, serotonin and thyroid are pretty intimately connected because T3 is important for the serotonin uh, receptor. So that can be important. And so those are some additional things that, that we'll get from the um, organic acids profile that can really help us figure out what's going on with the thyroid. So that should give you an overall picture of thyroid hormone production and regulation and how your, your thyroid hormones are affected. Um, if you want to support this podcast, it's helpful to subscribe on iTunes and leave a review. Uh, that really helps get the word out to everyone. 
And you can go to drhedberg.com, drhedberg.com, and read my articles and check out the rest of the podcasts on uh, thyroid and other issues. So uh, this is Dr. Hedberg. I hope you enjoyed this uh, podcast, and I'll talk to you next time. Take care.